The 21st century is when everything changes, and you've got to be ready. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, and welcome to Stories from the Vortex. I'm Matthew Kressel, and I'm joined, as always, by Mary Lang, and by the one and only, and sometimes insufferable, Robert Haynes. Good day. (laughs) Well, in this episode, everything changes, or rather, we're going to be talking about something that we've been maybe discussed for a while now, um, and that we, in fact, recorded an episode about quite a while ago that fell foul of technical difficulties, hopefully unlike this episode. And that is, of course, the Doctor Who spinoff series, which has recently come from television to big finish, Torchwood. did a pretty good job with it. Uh, Indeed. Well, they got a BAFTA award-winning composer to actually do the music for this, and he actually did a slight reworking of the original Torchwood theme because they actually couldn't apparently license the actual recordings from the TV series because it apparently would be too expensive. Well, it sounds good enough, I reckon. He does a good job because it sure sounds like it. Yeah. So, um, but that's just part of what they've done in these audios and sort of... uh, recreating them and also bringing the world back to life. It's something that's been interesting listening to the five releases in this first season. There's a sixth release that's set to come out any day now as we record this. Um, And it may not even be out by the time that this episode is released, uh, if all goes according to plan. Fingers crossed. Uh, But part of what's interesting about this is that there is a story arc running throughout them. And I have to admit going into this that my knowledge of Torchwood, the TV series, while I've seen all the episodes, is fairly limited. It is not a show that I would really have said I was a fan of. You know, I watched the first season with interest, but it's not something that hugely appealed to me, and I've never been able to quite put my finger on why. Can I? Can I take yes, you? Yes, go why? ahead, Robert. Because for me, what I found it's like when Russell T. Davies released it, it was like saying, oh, "I've always wanted to do a Doctor Who for adults, so this is." But the thing is, is it was kind of like. A nine-year-old's view of what an adult's like. Oh, we have some swearing, we have yeah, some sex. And that makes it adult? No, it doesn't. Was... A Blake 7 to me was something that was made for adults and it had an adult thing, adult theme. But it wasn't, you know, like mature to sex and violence. Uh, yeah. Swearing. So I think that the tone they got wrong. Yeah, and I think what it reminded me of in sort of its worst excesses was, in a weird way, some of the Doctor Who New Adventures from the 90s when everybody who, were a lot of the writers who were writing them, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of the writers who were working on them, it was kind of the idea, it was sort of Doctor Who going through teenage years, where the idea of, teenage idea of being adult is, you know, you have swearing and lots of cursing and everything else. I mean, when your second episode plot revolves Mm. around an alien that consumes people having orgasms, I don't think it says much about Mm. the show, to be perfectly honest. I mean, don't get me wrong, the show definitely got better, especially in its third season. Children of Earth is a fantastic piece of work. I thought it got better in the second season. Yeah, well... Yeah, I I thought the second season was better, and I thought of Children of Earth as being almost a totally separate composition from the previous seasons. Yeah, so I don't even think of it as And likewise Miracle Day as well. Yeah, well, the... Yeah. 
Miracle Day. Yeah, the like, less we oh. can say about Miracle Day, the better. <laughs> really. Um, but it, it, however, it however, you say the less we can say about it, but these stories spring from it. In a way, I know the third one especially is of interest, I think, to Torchwood fans because it's the first, it's one of the few post-Miracle Day stories that we have. But what's interesting about these five stories is not only is there a story arc running through them, uh, but that the story arc runs through Torchwood's history in some very different places. You go Mm -hmm. from prior to the TV series, prior to Torchwood's on-screen introduction in Doctor Who, in the fourth one, scattering yes. stories that are scattered throughout seasons one and two, right up, as we were mentioning, I think it's Forgotten Lives is the third one, which is set a few, at least a few years post-Miracle Day. So, But that's also part of yes. what Big Finish is able to do that the TV series, by virtue of it being a TV series that was ongoing. Do it. Yeah, it would not have been yeah, able to do um, it. Yeah. Big Finish can come in with all of this established history and with established characters and be able to actually kind of run through it and put things in different places. And a story we won't be talking about today, because it's not out yet and won't be out for more than a month, the Victorian Age. More than this. Yeah, well, uh, more than this, which yeah. is the sixth release in this season, we, we aren't able to talk about because it hasn't come out yet. But the Victorian yeah. Age is a story that's set in Torchwood's earliest yeah. days, that's which will be, be very interesting. interesting. Um, the cover for it's a bit dodgy, but it sounds like a very interesting story. But we're not here to talk about stories that haven't come out yet. We're here to talk about stories that have come out. So I think the easiest way to do this may be to kind of run through these chronologically, particularly because of the story arc that comes in there. So I think the best starting place would be at release number one, The Conspiracy. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to open your eyes and expand your minds in the presence of the one, the only, George Wilson. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Torchwood, The Conspiracy. I'd like you to meet Jack Harkness, the guy I was telling you about. He writes for Plexus magazine. Great. Well, far away. Okay, maybe we could start by talking about the committee. You say your contacts wish to remain anonymous because they fear for their lives. Yet you talk about this stuff, and you haven't been killed. Uh, Not yet, no. But you think the committee might one day have you assassinated? It's a very real possibility. Sam! I'm going to come up there and get you down, okay? No! They said if you try and help me, they'll kill us both! We all have to die someday. If they're already on Earth, then the committee is everywhere. In every government. In every boardroom. On every TV screen. They look like you or me. In fact, every time you turn on the TV or open a newspaper, they are staring you in the face. I am coming for them. The conspiracy launches this whole season, and as the trailer would kind of suggest, as indeed the title might suggest, this is very much Torchwood doing the 70s conspiracy thriller, with shades of the X-Files to some extent. Uh, You do have John Sessions playing George Wilson, Mm, uh, this former journalist turned conspiracy theorist. Yes, in the committee. Uh, who is, the, in fact, the committee is the running arc throughout all five of the stories that we're going to talk about today into, you know, lesser and greater degrees in ways. But they are certainly the thread or the key word that runs throughout all of these. The conspiracy, though, is, a, is on its own a conspiracy thriller. And I think your enjoyment of this will mm-hmm. depend on how much you enjoy that genre. I know when we previously attempted to talk about this, I, um, I know... 
Robert, you and I liked this quite a bit. Mary, I think you were a little bit more down on it than we were, if memory serves. Well, I was down on it more because of the uh, voice mm. acting. Because, yeah, Jack. yeah, the Jack Harkness character, which this is almost like a companion chronicle in that it's almost him narrating yeah. the whole thing, you know, with a voice here and there adding in something. And uh, to carry an entire episode, uh, John Barrowman uh, is a great voice actor. The yeah. thing about him is that when you see him in action on TV, he has a lot of physicality, a lot of stuff that feeds into what he is saying, expressing, whatever. Um, but when it's just his voice alone, you realize there's not a lot yeah, there. Yeah, that was, you know, I listened to The Lost Files, which BBC Radio 4 did around the time Miracle Day went out. And I remember my big thought about this was is that something was off about Berriman's performance. And it took listening to this one originally, I think last September, when it came out, to go, oh, I see what the issue was. And I think you are right, Mary. Um, it was actually a, th a comment you made before we started recording, actually the previous episode we did, that a lot of Berriman's performance, if you watch him, and I, I can vouch for this now because I recently rewatched The Empty Child Doctor Dances with my girlfriend mm -hmm. who's gotten into Doctor Who through no fault of my own, I hasten to add, that a lot of <laughs> Berriman's performance is uh, in his face. He's a very physical actor, I guess, expressive. Thank you, Robert. He's very expressive. And that that is something that is nigh impossible to get across on audio. And that's, in fact, something they talk about in the extras for this, was that the director of this, Scott Hancock, was having to give him a lot of direction about, you know, you've got to put a little sigh into this, or you've got to take a breath here or something, just yeah. so you can get that across. Yeah, because you're not going to see a raised eyebrow, are you, on, on yeah. audio? I think that they actually make a joke about that. I can't remember if it's in this one or Uncanny Valley. There's actually a joke in the extras about, you know, eyebrow raising and how well that works or does not work on audio. Yeah. But Merriman <laughs> is very much the anchor of this, and I, I do think some of his performance in this is flat, and I think it's very clear that he's reading from a script in several places. A friend of mine on Facebook described his line delivery as if somebody was holding a gun to his head, um, <laughs> which I think is a bit, is a bit unfair, because there's moments where he is fantastic. There's a description late in the story... Uh, where he talks about what it's like for him to come back from the dead, which is wonderfully written and yeah, wonderfully yeah. delivered by him. But Robert, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, do, do you think he, he suffers from not being in the actual studio over in the UK doing it, but, you know, doing it from the studio That's in the a possibility. US. I know they talk about that they do have a Skype connection where everybody is set up where, so that everybody can interact at least vocally with one another. And I think you can tell that in the performances and the way everybody interacts. But I think that that may be a point, actually, yeah. that because he's not there in the studio where, if they talk about some of the Doctor Who releases, you can turn and you can look at your fellow actor while you're doing a scene, I think may have an effect on that. And it's, it's a quality that's in his two audios, more so than the rest of them. But I think it's also perhaps because Barrowman's training and whatnot, and, you know, he's been trained to be very much more expressive with his face and sort of physically, mm. whereas I think the other actors are, you know, Tracy Ann Oberman, I know especially, have a background in radio, as a lot of UK actors do, and therefore have that yeah. ability to convey, yeah. I think, on audio a lot better than he does. But also, do you think, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I'd rather he be in the story so than not, so I'm glad they've included mm. him. 
Yeah, I do want to say that because he was the the main character in Torchwood. Um, I still was happy. Yeah. I'm still happy to have him be in yes, the story. Yes, yeah. And I do want to yeah. say one of my favorite yeah. moments in this story is the call he receives from Gwen Weevil oh, in yes. the lingerie department. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, I love that too. It just brought yes. back to me the craziness of the whole Torchwood genre. You know, I was yes. like, oh, yeah, this is what they were yeah. doing. Yeah. Well, what I loved about this is I'm a big fan of the conspiracy thriller genre, and I could put some of the issues I have with Berryman's performance aside, because it's actually a really well-written conspiracy thriller from David Llewellyn, and that it's, you know, it's a lot of setup. I mean, it's, it's very enjoyable on its own, and for a long time I didn't listen to the rest of the series. But it's a very enjoyable conspiracy thriller story on its own. And uh, John Sessions as George Wilson is it's a really cool performance from him. He's sort of a combination of, um, for listeners out there who follow conspiracy theory circles, he's sort of a combination of a couple of real-world conspiracy theorists, uh, David Icke, who's from the UK, and a guy named Alex Jones here in the United States. And uh, he sort of combines the views of the two of them together to be this character. And his performance is, is lovely, especially there's, um, you know, there's a scene late in the story where he gets drunk, for example. But it's also what's happening in that scene where he's having to sort of explain things. And it's just a wonderful performance from him. And John Sessions is a good actor. He also played General Tannis in uh, Death Comes to Time back in 2001, 2002. So he has some experience dealing with his genre. Uh, but he's good in this. And I think this is a very solid start to the series. Uh, so. Too true. No, I agree. You got me interested in the yes. rest. And anyone looking at the series, you know, gee, should I get this one or that one? I say start at the beginning and get the first, start with the first yes. one, definitely. And which yes. brings us to the return of another uh, sort of icon from Torchwood in the series, a uh, character from the series who is much missed, which is Gareth David Lloyd Anto Jones in the second story, Fall to Earth. I'm dead. Mr. Jones is dead. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Torchwood, Fall to Earth. Is there anything else I can help you with, Mr. Jones? Stop this thing crashing. Mr. Jones? Look, all calls are recorded for training purposes, yes? Yes. I'm telling the truth. I really am on Ephraim Salt Sky Puncher. Something has gone wrong, and the one person who can help me is you. Mr. Jones. If you don't end this recording services, you are going to become world famous for all the wrong reasons. I am sorry, Mr. Jones. I'm going to have to terminate this call. No! No! finish we love stories fall to earth is the second story in this and it's actually a far different story than the conspiracy partly in that it's very you talked about the conspiracy is almost a companion chronicle in terms of its formatting but this one is definitely a full cast audio drama uh, as they put on the cd covers and that's not difficult to do because it is a two-hander there's meaning that there's only two actors doing this yes. and it plays out as one very elongated phone conversation. Apart from the zombie. zombie. Well, apart from zombie. Uh, it's basically an elongated <laughs> phone conversation between Ayanto and this poor woman working in a helpline center. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, it is so amusing. I mean, I find myself laughing out loud at times. And yet, yeah. I, I'm also horrified because so much of yeah. what is going on, you know, Yanto Jones is going to die if this woman doesn't do what she needs to do to help him. And the only thing 
that's going to save him is this tenuous little yes. phone call that sometimes goes but, to, goes yeah, to but, the holding pattern. <laughs> yeah, but it was so good that, uh, you know, the way he had to get to speak to her was buying insurance all the time. <laughs> you know? uh, that's so humorous. I, I mean, but... <laughs> and time-wise, um, I'm not sure in in where in the um, the Torchwood timeline the first story occurs but the second one definitely occurs um at least after the second season and before children yeah. of earth so it's somewhere in that gap and part of the ironic thing for me listening to this was going into it i was very skeptical of it because it's about the first private space flight and something goes wrong because big finish didn't do that exact same story in the very last sarah jane smith audio they did in 2005 Oh, it's really? a story called Dreamland, and it's about Sarah Jane Smith yeah. getting on the very first private space flight and something going wrong. Oh. Um, and it, that's a fantastic release as well. Was it written by James It was Gunn, not. Was it was it? written by David Bishop. Um, <laughs> so I went into this going, okay, Big Finish is retreading over old ground. But to be fair, there's there's some debate whether the Sarah Jane Smith audios can still take place in the same universe as the Sarah Jane Adventure series because of character details and stuff in it. How many times do stories retread old themes? I mean, just well, in yeah, general. But there, there's a... Because this also reminded me very much of a short story in the Doctor Who main range called Urgent mm. Calls. Well, I think there's only so many times. You... Yes. Yeah, there's only so it. many times you can do the first private space flight is what I was what I was really aiming at. And okay. Big Finish had kind of already yes. done it. That's true. Um, but <clears throat> so I, I was kind of skeptical going in. The ironic thing about it is is that while not being a huge Torchwood fan, and I've met Gareth David Lloyd a couple of times. He was a guest at Conquest Stirperus here just a couple of years ago. He's a lovely guy. Uh, I was never a huge fan of his character on TV. Nothing to do with him or his performance. It's just I, something about that character doesn't appeal to me. It could be the Cyberwoman episode. I, I don't know. that you know, But that's neither here nor there. Thank you. Which he references yeah. in this. Well, he didn't do much on the show, though, Yeah, that might be, uh, might be part of it as well. But he gets the chance in this one to really come front and center. Yeah. And show his and acting, show his acting shots. chops. Yeah. I mean, the my hat's off to Gareth David Lloyd for his performance, first off, because he is stunning in this. I mean, just absolutely stunning. Yes, yes. The range, I mean, it's also in the writing for James Goss and also uh, Lisa Zara, who plays uh, the poor woman in the call center who calls him. Saying it. Oh, yeah, she does a You know, everything job. in this story is downright superb. James Goss's writing yes, is. is amazing. Because I remember listening oh, yes. to this and looking at the timer going, okay, there's this much left in the story, but you're about to wrap it up. And then something else happens. And then you sit there and go, okay, mm -hmm. you fix that. So that's yeah. going to fix everything. Yeah. And then something else happens. And it's a beautifully constructed story. But not only that, but totally, it manages to find the right mix between... As you were talking about, Mary, you know, you have these incredible laugh out loud comedy moments. And yes. you also have times of just really dark and it's sort of despair at times almost. Yes. Uh -huh. And it's incredible. And it's just it, the beautiful thing about it is, is that I think the fact that it's a two hander, it's two people having a conversation. And that that's all the story is. And you really feel like in the space of an hour that you really get to know, if you didn't know Yanto, you definitely know him by the time the story is over with. Uh, but Zenith in the call center as well. 
And you feel like you really get to know these two people who've kind of become quick friends and sometimes adversaries yeah. in the space of an hour while, you know, the space plane comes crashing to Earth. The fact that it, it basically takes place in real time as well, I think, helps it as well, because there's a sense of urgency to it throughout. Definitely I, there is. I very yes. much doubt it was recorded as live and they did the whole thing in one go. But you would never know it listening no, to it, because it just feels like it's one big, continuous yeah. thing taking place, as it would be for those characters right. in that yeah. situation. And yet, we, 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 get the thread, we get the thread of the yes. committee again. And it's not done, as I think sometimes happens in Doctor Who on TV, that it's kind of like, oh, we've got to shoehorn in a reference to our big yeah. whatever's happening yes. this season. Yes. Here, it's worked in very nicely and very organically. It makes sense that they would be behind certain events happening in the story. And I, enjoyed... yeah, I, like, I like the way things unfolded, yeah. Uh -huh. I enjoyed that uh, Yanto does not overplay himself. That when it comes down to it, you know, she is just the, the one who answers the phone in a call center. And he admits, in spite of, you know, what she thinks about him, I'm just a copy server at this other yeah, organization. Yeah. You know? <laughs> They're two very ordinary people caught in an extraordinary moment. That, that's exactly what this is. And that's why the, the drama in this is played out, and the comedy for that matter. But it, it, it's, yes. it's done so beautifully, because as you say, it's two ordinary people caught up in the most extraordinary events. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and say it, and I hate saying this knowing that we've got three more stories to talk about. Of the five stories we're talking about today, this is far and away my favorite. I have to agree with you. I, I didn't want to say it either, but yes, yeah. it is my favorite of the series so far. And with that ringing endorsement, yeah. shall we move on to story number three? The 21st century is when everything changes. And you've got to be ready. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Torchwood. Forgotten Lives. Hello? Oh, Jack! Jack! Harkness! What? Jack! What, what Jack? Where is he? Help, Jack! Listen to the storm, Reese. Stopped. Okay. This is what you need to know about the Evolve. Oh, Mummy! 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 Big Finish. We love stories. The world's probably ending. Again! You don't have to look so happy about it. Yes, Forgotten this Lives. This is the story of this series that is most definitely set post-Miracle Day. It's the farthest we've got along in the Torchwood timeline, I think. Yeah. I don't know about the comics or any of the novels, because not being a huge Torchwood fan, I haven't read any of those. Please send in your feedback to correct me at feedback.vortex at yahoo.com. <laughs> I am fully prepared to be wrong, that's all I'm saying. Um, but this this was an interesting story yes. to listen to as well. I mean, I my my feeling is that most of the world seems to feel the same way I do about Miracle Day, which was that it started off well and it went downhill very quickly. Um, yes. And that yeah, even though it was well, it was well made though. Yeah, it was well that. made, but I think dragging it out yeah. for ten episodes did nobody any favors. And it very much looks like that. That's all. That's gonna. Yes. That looks at least for the time being. Uh, somebody could be listening to this episode in two to three years' time, shouting down their iPod at me, going, you're wrong. 
Uh, but it very much looks like the end of Torchwood yeah. on television, which is why Big Finish doing this story especially is exciting, uh, is the fact that it's picking up and going along further with what might be happening. And Gwen and Reese basically are the only people left alive of the original Torchwood team by the time Miracle Day is <laughs> over with, not including good old Captain Jack. Uh, so it's interesting to see them sort of picking up a few years after the events, you know, going on with them, apparently going on with their lives. And then, of course, because it's Torchwood, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, they, they get, get a phone, phone call. call. <laughs> that seems to be a recurring motif in these audios, people getting phone calls. <laughs> yeah, it has been a few years since um, they've seen Jack, and Gwen's resentment of that is very apparent in Four this. Four years. Four years since Miracle Day. Yeah, okay. Uh, and the yeah. whole idea of this now stirring up of their little domestic life just puts me in mind of how strong Miracle Day started with that picture of her with the baby in one arm and the bazooka yes. in the other. <laughs> it brought all that back mm -hmm. because this is them getting pulled back into um, Torchwood business yes. with a little, I don't know, she must be four years old at this point, little yes. Anwar. Who becomes, uh, without hopefully spoiling too much, she ends up becoming a bit of a plot point in this, which is... Which is a yeah. really interesting choice to make because, you know, Torchwood didn't really dwell on people's... Well, I suppose it did to some extent with Gwen, but also I think Owen after he dies but doesn't die in season two. You didn't get a whole lot of people's domestic lives. There's a whole lot of fighting aliens. Gwen was our way into it. We saw a whole lot of her life. But uh -huh. by and large, you didn't see people's outside of the fact that everybody was shagging everybody. You didn't really see a whole lot of it in the TV series, <laughs> which makes this interesting. And the fact that, you know, here's somebody who used to save the world on a weekly basis has basically settled down to the normal life. And then all of a sudden we have, you know, getting thrust back into that world. Well, you know what? It's funny. It's kind of the opposite to Doctor Who. Doctor Who got more involved in uh, domesticity, you know, with uh, Rose and her parents, uh, things like that. Whereas Tortured was is quite the opposite, really, uh, on you know the TV mm. show that is, and they avoided yeah. that, so it's kind of but, funny. Well, we did get a little bit of a view into the relationship between Jack yes. and Yonto, uh, and we did see several domestic yeah. scenes with uh, yeah. Gwen and Reese. Yeah, well, that was Torchwood. what I meant was that Gwen and Reese very much were in ways, and so it makes it perfect sense coming back to this audio yeah. that it makes perfect sense to come back to them, not just yeah, because them. they're the only people left alive by the time the series is over with, uh, <laughs> but you, you know, know, it makes perfect <laughs> sense that you know if you're going to do a story post Miracle Day, and if you're going to deal with actors who are in the UK and available, that they would pick Gwen and Reese, and it's it's wonderful to listen to because half of it half the joy of listening to this is the chemistry between Eve Miles and Kai Owen playing Gwen oh, and yes. Reese. Yes. 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 They do yes. an, they do an amazing job and I could listen to her read the phone book. Um, she could just read this whole story and she would have me completely absorbed. I just, I love her as an actress and I love her character. Yes. In this. And her performance in this is fantastic yes. as well, especially in the later part of the story. Uh, when uh, chickens come home to roost, shall we say, without hopefully saying too much. Yes. And it's kind of like, yes. you know, that, you know, Gwen was always a strong character. 
Um, and I think that I was listening to a podcast the other day that talked about, you know, strong female characters. And so the part of the problem with a lot of writers have with strong female characters is they basically uh, write them as men, but, but, you know, but as female. And yeah. there's the combination in Gwen's yeah. character, both in TV and I think especially here, is that you do have, you, you were talking about Mary, the image from Miracle Day of Baby in one hand, Bazooka in the other. And that's very much mm -hmm. that character here. This is somebody mm -hmm. who's perfectly willing to go out and fight aliens and save the world and drive around quarries in North Wales looking for something. But then, <laughs> but then take a phone call from her little four-year-old and talk to her just as any mother would talk yes. to a child. You know, oh, yeah, mommy's out here getting the bad guys and, you know, you be good for yes. grandma. <laughs> Oh yeah, she's that mother. <laughs> and it is, and it's fantastic oh, doing it, that. The it story is. of this is actually quite interesting as well. the The committee is kind of submerged behind this. They're they're not really. Yeah. This is almost a tangent. This is almost talking about tangents as we often do before we start recording. This is almost a tangential story to the bigger committee plot line that's running throughout this season. Well, well I don't know, because there's a great deal, great, great deal of exposition at the end of this, where Jack explains a lot of what the committee yeah, is well, up to. Yeah, well, it's worth mentioning that uh, Captain Jack does kind of sort of make an appearance in this, which is, which <laughs> is, which is, uh, kind of sort of, which is an interesting way of getting around somebody's availability issues, let me put it that way. But I think what's the, the interesting thing is this is almost tangential. I mean, it's connected to the committee, but the committee's not directly behind events is really what I meant. And this is almost mm -hmm. as, a, as a consequence of Torchwood trying to fight the committee that the events in the story are happening, um, mm -hmm. is what I meant. So I think, but it's interesting because it's, it's almost as much a domestic drama as it is a sci-fi action-adventure story. Um, and the two sort of intermesh together very well. What I really enjoyed about this, though, was the ending of it, because there's sort of that hint, if it ever comes back on TV, and I'm sure Big Finish will continue the thread that they've laid here, about where Torchwood will go from here, as it were, going into the future. Which, given the uncertainty that has surrounded the show's future on TV and in other media, I think is important. Mm -hmm. But but as we are shown her like bitterness and a little bit of anger, that Jack was just missing for those years and is now suddenly in their lives again, that she has to say goodbye to yeah. him again, and she has no idea for yeah. how long. Which seems like an, an appropriate description of Torchwood fandom, as any, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yes. yeah, true. So having talked about Torchwood's future, shall we talk about Torchwood's past? Oh, yes. The 21st century is when everything changes, and we're ready. Obviously. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Torchwood. One rule. I'm standing on an invisible lift, and I'm about to enter Torchwood 3. Hooray. You must be Torchwood, then. It's the murders, you see. There's been five in the last two weeks. Well, murders? That's what the police are for. Oh, I thought you might help me. Oh, bless you, but no. I'm from London. I don't do local politics. Good night. I run a top 
secret organization that protects all of Great Britain from invasion. I have tea with the Queen twice a week. I'm trying to keep you alive and you're behaving like children. In fact, I've had enough of this city. Big finish. We love stories. Oh, oh, happy day. I have to say that of all the stories in this first season, when they were all originally announced, one rule was the one I really wanted to hear. Partly because I liked the Yvonne Hartman character when she was introduced in Doctor Who for her two episodes. Uh, as somebody who listens to a lot of BBC Radio 4, I've heard several things that Tracy Ed Overman has both written and starred in. She's a good actress. So the idea that they would flesh out her character a bit more and also do it as kind of a prequel to her appearances in Doctor Who really intrigued me. And I have to say, it's also a story by Joe Lidster, who wrote my all-time favorite Doctor Who Big Finish audio, which is Master. So I had a lot of expectations going into this. And I have to say that this pretty much did everything I wanted it to do. It's a showcase for Tracy Ann Oberman's talents, both as a serious actress and playing comedy, uh, which I was, what really surprised mm. me about this is the sheer yeah. amount of comedy that's in it. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. There's, yes. there's sort of the old joke about the innocent abroad, you know, or in the case of the American who goes to Europe, doesn't speak the language and doesn't understand the culture and gets into all kinds of trouble. If you can imagine the, posh upper class woman running torchwood going to cardiff and having the evening from hell uh you would have a very good encapsulation yeah. of what happens in this story and because she takes us back to the london torchwood yeah uh because didn't isn't she the one that created the canary yep. wharf location there and and that takes us back to martha and the test yes. doctor yeah. i mean it, yeah. it's taking so, and, and, there are references to yes. all of this, which yeah. are great. It's taking Torchwood, and the yes, it's taking Torchwood back to its origins. It's taking really New Who back to its origins because this is apparently set just three weeks yes. after the events of Rose and shop yeah. window mm-hmm. dummies coming to life mm-hmm. and killing people. And mm-hmm. you know, this is sort of set in the aftermath of that and why she's in Cardiff, kind of, shall we say, nicking something from Torchwood Three. Uh, because right. appropriate, appropriately <laughs> enough, yes. given my understanding of UK <laughs> politics, uh, Cardiff and London do not like each other very much. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's it's a it's fun story to kind of listen to. Not just because Yvonne Hartman is a fun character and Joan Lister writes this character very well. The fish out of water who thinks, oh, I'm just going to waltz in, I'll do my thing, I'll spend the night, I'll go home and everything will be fine. And nothing <laughs> goes according to plan. At the night out yes. Which yes. um, Joe yes. Lister talks about in the extras that this is to some extent based on some very bad experiences he had in Cardiff while working on Torchwood. <laughs> but then turns around because Cardiff is a wonderful place to visit. But it's mm-hmm. it's interesting to listen to because the sci-fi element in it is it's there, but it's kind of submerged to some extent. But even that, even that is like a throwaway kind of thing as well it is it what it turns out to be something of a MacGuffin, to be perfectly honest it's also an opportunity very early on in the the story to hear two members of the paternoster gang not playing members of the paternoster gang and married to each other which is quite Mm. which was fun to listen to but tricky and overman spend and Mm. yvonne hartman's character spend most of the time with two members of the cardiff town council 
who she basically ends up trying to bodyguard to varying degrees of success through this evening from hell. Uh, wonderfully played by Gareth, Armst Gareth Armstrong and Rebecca Lacey. And the joy of this, in, in terms of the comedy, is just listening to her having to deal with two Welsh people yes. who could not rightly care less what she thinks of them. And the mm -hmm. fact that here she is, she's like, you know, I can get into any club I want. I do expensive meals, et cetera, et cetera, being drugged into an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet and, and apparently a very, <laughs> fairly low-class bar in Cardiff. But what's also, I mean, as much as the comedy is in here as this, is that what really surprises me about it is that you get a very good sense of who this character is because she does get to assert herself and she does get to be tough, which yeah. was something we got glimpses of in her Doctor Who episode. But because Doctor Who is a family show and Torchwood being, I guess, more adult age, as are these audios, you get far more of a sense of just how ruthless she can be, especially in the ending of this. Well, and that brings up the thing that, that I really liked about this episode is that even through all of this, we really are not sure what her motivations are. I even made these notes. Yes, I was yes. good person, bad person shaped by events or is she basically yeah. ruthless is she saving cardiff people because she's good or she just wants someone to report jack's return because that's how it ends is you know she's she's getting someone on the inside to report to her should there be a sighting of jack and you're not sure is it for good purposes or is she actually you know, i don't think it's actually jack because I, yeah, I like well, it. she mentions that Jack is already working at Torchwood and that he's not exactly trustworthy. I think who she's really referring to is the Doctor, because this is pre uh, him coming back to Torchwood at the end of season two of, Doc of New Who. The ironic thing about all of it is, once I, w I sat down and was thinking about this, because I finished listening to this on the way to work one day, the thing that really struck me was that if you think about what the plot of this ends up all being about, and you know the events of the first season of Doctor Who, the person who's behind everything basically did it all for nothing, and I will say no more about it. But I think this is, to some extent, the most lighthearted of the five releases. Well, but to yeah. me, it does not end on a oh, lighthearted note. Oh, it definitely does note. not end on a lighthearted note. And that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> no. Wait, what I want to understand, you're saying that she's not looking for sightings She's looking of for Jack, the doctor. But the, the way she describes the person that she wants him to alert her to... Is definitely no, it's the Jack. doctor, because she mentions Jack is already in Cardiff, and that Jack has something of a history with him, and that's why she's gone looking for somebody to report when he shows up, because she can't trust Jack to report back to her that the doctor has shown up. Because this is at the point in Torchwood's oh, cool. history when they're still hunting down the doctor. Okay, that then I missed that. Yeah, so. Okay. But yes. having started this episode talking about Captain Jack, should we finish this episode by talking about Captain Jack? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we have to, because it's about Captain yes. Jack, isn't it? <laughs> Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Who are you? Hey, what do you want? My name is Jack Harkness. I'm here to help you. If you don't leave right away, I'm phoning the police. Mr. Redmond, I know that isn't you in St. Petersburg. We need to talk. Are you afraid of dying? Look what you made me do, Jack. Nothing which has happened to you these last few years was an accident. 
everything was by design. Neil Redmond. Neil Redmond. Neil Redmond. Big finish. We love stories. I love you. In many respects, this is a return to a lot of what we talked about at the beginning of the episode with the conspiracy because David Llewellyn's writing the script again. And it's another story focused very much on John Berriman's Captain Jack. But unlike the conspiracy, the, the interesting thing listening to these five audios for me is that the conspiracy is very much a companion chronicle style story, as, as you yourself pointed out, Mary. But the rest mm -hmm. of these are very much full cast audios. Yes, yeah. This is the only one where you get a little bit of narration in yes. it towards the end. And it's only because of the way events pan out. That I think it would be the only way to get it across is with the narration. Mm. But this was the one going in where I didn't really know kind of the sort of feelings to have about it. And having listened to it, it's a pretty solid story. And it's, it's good for mm -hmm. about three quarters of its length. And it's good for most of the other quarter of its length. There's one scene towards the end which made me think, well, they did manage to get five releases in before they decided to be gratuitous about something. Um, yeah. Which, uh -huh. well, it is, it is Captain, Captain Jack, Jack and it is Torchwood. Uh, it will shag anything. Even when Captain Jack is in Doctor Who, the suggestions and some of the things were fairly yeah. obvious. Well, this one, they, this one they went all the way which was yeah kind of uh -huh. i think that scene which, in which jack has sex they could have done it a lot more tastefully rather than hearing all the grunts and groans mm -hmm. i mean surely it could have be passed off with a bit of narration i mean obviously we know why he does well, you what didn't he does. even my uh, feeling is you didn't even need the bit of narration you could have because they start at the beginning of it, they cut to kind of the middle of it, and then they go to the ending of it. It's like you could cut that whole middle portion out, and you would know exactly yeah. what's happened without it yeah. kind of mm -hmm. going into that. Yeah. And I, I don't want us to sound like we're focusing specifically on that and saying, well, this was a terrible audio because of it, because it's not a terrible audio at all. Oh, no. It's a fairly run-of-the-mill story. I didn't find it to be very original or creative you know, or anything. I just felt like I was just listening to a very ordinary story, but the one featured scene. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's one that we could yeah, have done I mean, without. I thought, I mean, I'm looking yes. at some of the reviews on the Big Finish website. And I, I can't quite agree with the reviews, which are singing its praises, to be perfectly honest. Mature and thought-provoking. What's mature and thought-provoking yeah. about it? I mean, Mary, you found it kind of run-of-the-mill, but I found a lot of the questions it raised about uh, artificial intelligence and also the sort yes, of the nature yes. of existence and what, what's real and what isn't. I found a lot of that very interesting. Well, but it's not original, though. It, I, I mean, uh, yeah. How about iRobot and all That's these very, other stories? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a trope yeah. of that, but it's something Torchwood hadn't really dealt with before, and Doctor Who, to a large extent, hasn't kind of dealt with. It It has, to some extent, with the androids from Orion that show up in uh, sort of Orion in the Cyberman spinoff series. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, the, the nature of artificial um, sentience. Yeah. <laughs> has been raised so many times. I mean, it was Torchwood kind of doing it, but I found what I found interesting about it was is that it wasn't so much it wasn't so much the way the sentience, but it was the way it was portrayed that here you have somebody who's been a multi-billionaire who's went off and had this incredible life has to live vicariously through something else. And it's kind of, you know, mm -hmm. then that what what interested me about that was well what which one's real? Because in a way they're both real and most of the world sees 
one thing is yeah. real when the truth is actually something completely different. And that interested me. And uh, Stephen Creed's performance in this, I think, is interesting, playing the two very different versions of this billionaire character. Yes. Um, and mm-hmm. I thought that, that was interesting. I, um, Berryman's performance in this, I think, is significantly better than The Conspiracy. I don't think so. To me, he still sounded pretty flat. There's mo- yeah, th- yeah, there are moments, there's yeah. definitely moments where I got that feeling, I have to admit. But a lot of the time, there was for most of it, it wasn't really noticeable to me. But that's one of those things, I guess, if you're listening for it, you listen for it. It's also worth mm-hmm. mentioning I've heard The Conspiracy twice and I've only heard the rest of these once. Same here. Same here, uh, so maybe one of those things, you know, going back and picking up on the nuances in his performance, if I ever get around to listening to it again. I mean, it's an interesting story, but it is, I think, as you say, even though it does have some, does for me some interesting things with the idea of artificial intelligence and the nature of what's real and what isn't. As you say, Mary, it's ideas that aren't exactly new, but I think of a lot of what Doctor Who and a lot of what Torchwood, for that matter, did was taking old ideas and putting new spins on them. And in that regard, I think it succeeds. And I think I would have a slightly better opinion of the story if it wasn't for gratuitous sex scene three quarters of the way through it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which, yes, I agree. Which I agree. felt like they were sort of going back to those, or the, especially the first season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was regressing. It was regressing it, and than... smacked to some of the worst moments mm-hmm. of that first season. But that's neither here nor there. Yes. But it's it's an okay story. It's a decent story, but that's to me it's the weakest one of the series. I can agree so with far. that. I, I would agree with that. But I will tell you, yes, I will I tell you, my most favorite part of this installment was the extras. Oh yes, um, track to hear John Berman. Uh, yes, yes, his native Scottish <laughs> with the. Uh, the other actor who's also yes. Scots. Oh, it was so delightful for the yes. conversation between the two of them. But you know, it's funny that there are times yes. when I felt that that um, John's Scots accent was a little forced. I think he's been in America for so long and done so many American, you know, characters. Yeah. I I think he's starting to be more American when he's relaxed than Scots. Yeah. Didn't it sound at times a little forced it did, to you? a little bit listening to the extras, but, you know, as you say, the extras, it's li- listening to him and uh, Stephen Cree just banter back and forth. Oh, it was so just yes. delightful. Just delightful. And I think, I think that <laughs> chemistry they have between them is Very apparent funny. in the story as well, in its best moments as well. Um, but I, I do agree, Mary. I think it is, uh, of the five stories that have been released to date, I think it is the weakest. <laughs> but it's been a pretty solid run of stories up until now, so... That's true. And yes. I think it, it's it's still better than what I was expecting it to be. Let me put it that way. Yeah, me too. I did not have my expectations, and I'm sorry to say that. But now I'm so engrossed. Um, I went ahead and ordered the next season because uh, if they can be this good, I want I want to I keep will it going. Say, and I say this as somebody who is not the world's biggest Torchwood fan. I think this is the most consistently strong run of Torchwood we've had since Children of Earth. Mm-hmm. I I think Definitely. it is a head and shoulders above seasons one and two. And most of Miracle Day, for that matter, as well. Um, and I think that's part of the joys of Big Finish, that they you know, they know their characters, they're very good at what they do, and they bring their expertise to these stories. And if you're a Torchwood fan and you have not heard them, you really do need to hear these. You know what? I think it's more, this is more, I guess, what, what the TV should have been, yeah. I reckon. Uh, it's more what the show should have been, rather than what we ended yes. up with. Um, and I just think, Big finish, and I will say this about current 
Doctor Who series as well, or New Who, in that for me, it doesn't seem like the Doctor Who that I know. Whereas you listen to the audios, and that's the Doctor Who that I know. Um, so I think Big Finish do a tremendous job in actually bringing you what you want, yeah. I guess. So yeah, hats yeah. off to them. I would agree. Yeah, I would and agree. I look forward at some point, uh, we will go back and do an episode to talk about the sixth release in the season, simply because it's not out yet as we're recording. Uh, we will go back and talk about it at some point. I look forward as well to hopefully talking about stories from the next season as well. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they can keep up the good work. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps things up for this episode. What do you two think? Uh, I think we've said yes. it all. And it's funny how we all agree. <laughs> <laughs> Which is unusual. Uh, well, we'd love to hear what you, the listeners, think. Uh, you're welcome to send in written feedback or MP3 feedback to our feedback address, feedback.vortex at yahoo.com. And you're also welcome to join our Facebook group, Stories from the Vortex. And we hope you'll join us next time. We'll be returning to some early main range releases from Doctor Who. And to give some idea of what uh, we'll be doing from this point onwards with the show, Odd-numbered episodes, such as this one, we'll be looking at newer releases. Even-numbered releases, such as our next episode, we're going to be looking at older releases, basically anything older than a couple of years. And we'd love to have your suggestions on what you'd like us to talk about. Hold on, Matthew, you've got to put something in. Yeah, go ahead. Please do not suggest that we do Minuet in Hell, please. Yes, Minuet in Hell. Yes, That's what it's called, isn't it? (laughs) Please do not request that ever. (laughs) Thank you. Just so I get that out Thank there. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> but in fact, part of the reason we're attempting to readdress the balance is actually some comments we've had from you, the listeners, uh, commenting that we have reviewed a lot of, uh, before we went on to sort of a prolonged hiatus, we've been reviewing a lot of more recent releases. And that's partly, I think, because Big Finish just puts out so much that part of the difficulty for us as reviewers, and I'm sure as listeners as well as reviewers, and for you listeners, is keeping up with everything. But in our next episode, we'll be returning to the Doctor Who main range, at least for one of the stories we'll be talking about, for we will be we will be hailing the great talking bird. We're going to be looking at Big Finish's two Frobisher releases, the Holy Terror and the Maltese Penguin. So, until next time, I guess that's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from them. So long. Thanks for all the fish. Take care. Goodbye.